Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Joining me for a, a bit of a nothing podcast, really, let's be <laughs> honest, given where we're at at this point in the offseason. Not a lot going on. It's Mr. Wayne Spoonie. Spoons, how you doing, sir? Good, Ben. Every time we talk, it's a nothing podcast. It feels <laughs> like, right? <You> know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Why but are you people listening now. to us? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we do have something going on in a couple of nights' time. So Thursday night, uh, the great John Corrales, the... Uh, the pod father, at least as it pertains to the Celtics world, uh, is joining us for episode three, I think it is, of our Get to Know mm-hmm. the Celtics Media off-season series. So looking forward to that and hearing uh, a little bit more from the, the inside world of his you know, podcasting game uh, and how he sort of um, came up as, as a Celtics media personality. So looking very much forward to that. In the meantime... Maybe scraping the bottom of the barrel here, but we've got some potential free agent... Um, acquisition stuff to get to. And before we get into that, Spoonie's going to preface all of that with a bit of a, a bit of a cap situation rundown as far as the Celtics are concerned. Yeah, so this is assuming that we will continue to keep Justin Champagny on the books for about $2 million because he's fully non-guaranteed. So we, we could, as Ro shouts out my cat cookie in the chat. Uh, <laughs> So we could fully we could non guarantee him and carve out a little more space if we wanted to. But right now we've got about like three and a half million dollars underneath that second apron. And if you'll remember that second apron is if you exceed that, um, then you have all these terrible things that happen to you. But also, I think more importantly, is that we can't use the full MLE right now because Mm -hmm. that is five million and it hard caps you at the second apron. So we could only use 3.3 million of it. So uh, basically, I don't anticipate us using the full MLE. Uh, so we're really looking at minimum contracts um, and probably don't want to exceed that second apron. But we also got that nice TPE from the Grant Williams trade. So if we do want to go over it just a little bit, we can use that TPE to absorb a contract and add a, a rotation or a low end rotation guy if we want to. So that's that's where we're at. Yeah, and what's the impetus for avoiding that second apron for the Celtics at this perspective? Given some of those punitive measures don't really come into effect uh, a year from now. Yeah, well, it's uh, it just jumps the tax bill really, uh, you know, essentially exponentially once you cross over that line. So 
you got to ask yourself is adding an end of the bench guy who's slightly better than a minimum contract worth an extra seven, eight million dollars in tax. It to me, I don't care. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> right. But to Wick Grosspeck and Steve Pagliuca, uh, and I just butchered his name, but we're moving on. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they would probably care. So um, I don't. And then once you're o- above it, it's difficult to get below it, right? Because guys sure. are going to get raises next year. Jalen's um, Supermax will kick in, assuming he, he signs likely. it. Yeah, right. We're assuming <laughs> at this point. Um, and so I, I see, you know, I just don't see a lot of appetite by, for the C's to exceed it this year because they're almost certainly going to be above it for the next couple seasons. And they are going to be paying some very, very large tax bills. Hmm. That said, let's get into a few very spicy potential free agent signings, starting with someone who is not a free agent, and that is Kenrick Williams, Ken Rich Williams, aka Kenny Hustle, and shout out to Squim Jim on Reddit for um, bringing this to a lot of people's attention in that he does fit very, very closely, very well, very snugly, if you will, into the Celtics 6.2 million dollar TPE. He's with the OKC Thunder at the moment, like I said, so he is under contract. Uh, he's a 28-year-old 20, 6'6 wing. He is a solid player, 37% from three. Uh, he's part of that OKC roster crunch though. They've got, I think, 21 players signed currently. So they'd be looking to move on from some of those guys and given his fittingness into our TPE, it could be a potential pickup um, for the Celtics, especially given that he does kind of fill a position of need, sort of that wing power forward archetype, uh, not a bad three-point shooter, like I mentioned, can switch defensively. The OKC Thunder, they had a positive net rating with him on the court, which I think is, is a pretty glaring um, indicator that he's at least not a, a defensive negative. The downside, and this is going back to what you said a second ago, Spoonie, he would sort of bump out a tax bill up um, significantly just by way of acquiring that salary. And um, OKC apparently want a first-round pick for him, and apparently they've been standing pat on that stance for for a while now. So. Do you think that this is a, a pick up the phone and, and give uh, OKC a call situation, Spoonie? Yes, absolutely. So I, I'm really high on Kenrich Williams. Um, I, he really is pretty similar to Grant Williams defensively in that mm-hmm. he's sort of an undersized big almost, but he's, you're right, he's very switchable. And offensively, what I really like about him and basically anybody who played on OKC last year um, is that you had to make quick decisions. Like if you remember our games against them, like they would make you defend for every 24 second shot clock, every time down the court, catch it, drive or pass, catch it, drive and kick, catch it, shoot. There's absolutely nowhere in their system for people who hold the ball, the ball sticks to them. Like, and that's really what kind of undermined Grant Williams season last year was he wasn't doing those types of things. Sometimes he would kind of hijack the offense cause he wouldn't take a shot. Um, or vice versa, he would t- try to drive into traffic. And I, I think Williams kind of knows his role uh, a little bit better than Grant, which makes sense. He's much older. Grant's mm-hmm. got a lot more room to grow. He will probably end up a better player than Kenrich Williams. Um, but right now, I think Kenny Hustle's probably slightly better than Grant. And he he earned that nickname. Like The dude is an absolute maniac. And we are missing maniacs right now, right? We've let our primary mania. We've let our serial axe murderer go in Marcus. <laughs> we need dudes to fill his shoes, man. And Kenny Hustle absolutely would. So he is, I think, the type of player 
that I could maybe see us crossing that second apron for just because he would be such a nice fit in that sort of four spot or five if you want to go really small, which mm-hmm. OKC did quite a bit with him too. Yeah, all that mania has gone out the door. You're absolutely yeah. right. And one of the better ne- nicknames in the league uh, currently. Sure. Do you think if the asking price is a first round pick, do you think that's what maybe stops the Celtics going for this one? So uh, there's a lot of talk now that since those fir- late first round picks have a certain salary that they, um, you know, those the rookie scale salaries for each first round pick. There's no room to negotiate. And actually, there is room to negotiate more money. And basically, teams always do it. They just always give these guys more money than what they, you know, what the baseline for the rookie scale is. Mm-hmm. It's a very small. It's not a lot, but um, right. and so folks have said like high seconds are actually going to be better because it's the same caliber of player and they're cheaper, mm-hmm. uh, especially with this new second round pick exception, which allows you to sign them for three years. You get their bird rights, so it's really kind of flipped the script a little bit and given you more. Um, you have more control over your second round picks and they're at a lower value. And like the difference between 36 and 29, as far as the player is probably nothing. It's essentially negligible. So I would consider throwing a first that we have so many seconds. Yeah. (laughs) Some of them are going to be good. Like Uh who cares? Like throw a first, whatever, unless you're lining up, like we have the next superstar we think is going to, you know, want out and we want to target them with a bunch of firsts and a lot of these seconds, like, I, that doesn't seem like the plan to me now that we have Porzingis. So, like, why not, man? You can add a rotation guy that can be part of the rotation for years to come who is cheap and knows his role and plays defense and hits the glass. Like, that's... I would consider it. Yeah, and if the window is now-ish, which it right. is, you've got to consider, like, what's going to help us more? Our future first or Kenrich Williams? And I think we all know the answer. Obviously, a physical player who can actually give you court time yeah. and minutes <laughs> is going to be more helpful uh, for a championship run. So I think a lot of people would balk at that, like, seeing that a first-round pick was included in a potential trade for Kenrich Williams. But, like, ultimately, in the short term, that's going to be a better move for the Celtics. Um, free agency-wise, Spoonie, who have you got for us? Okay, so actually, these two, these next two guys are not free agents. They're okay. also they're but they're on three million or less, right? So we can take them in with the TPE, and we won't cross the second apron. Great, they're not good, right? <laughs> so this is like we are looking at like you have too many players, you don't have room for this guy. Maybe we flip you a, a one of our seconds or something like that, and we'll just take this guy. You carve out a TPE yourself. First guy is Amir Coffee. With the Los Angeles Clippers. Oh, look at that, Ben. You even got graphics. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was a like ma- a massive <laughs> 3.4. Yeah, work, work caught up to me, man. I'm gonna be a few minutes late. I see. I gotcha. Um, he's 26 year old, six foot seven wing. Um, you know, the Clippers, they have so many wings. Like, there's no room for this guy to play. They're trying to get rid of good wings, never mind Amir Coffee. He shot it really well three years ago, you know, two years ago. <laughs> And then was absolutely terrible last year. And basically all he really brings offensively is shooting. So if he's not shooting, uh, he's not a particularly good defensive player. So you're just kind of betting like, hey, his shooting is going to come back. He can shoot the ball. He's got decent size. Like he's not going to be a complete disaster on the defensive end. And he comes extremely cheap at a position of need. You know, a little help on the wing doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he's not very exciting, frankly. But this is where we're at at this point, right? Like our team is basically set. We've got 14 guys on the roster. We're looking at the 15th man. 
Yeah, it's officially the doldrums of the offseason. <laughs> yeah. We're sort of semi-frothing over Amir Coffey and, and some <laughs> other names to come. And yeah, maybe we should have prefaced this segment with like, it's we're talking about the free agency period, not necessarily yeah. free agents. Right. Like who can we acquire at this juncture in the offseason? And Amir Coffey, I mean, really, we're talking about guys who can be that 15th man at the end of the bench. And there's, there's still so many names, you know, like Peyton Pritchard, for example, who are going to get mm-hmm. significant court time before the guys that we're talking about now. But we do need to fill out the roster. We do need to account for injuries that occur throughout the regular season. And Amir Coffey is someone who can come in and like give your bench players spot minutes while they're filling in for injured starters, for example. So that's that's kind of the archetype that we're looking at. Amir Coffey, yeah, I, I remember him having some potency mm-hmm. with the Clippers again, like you said, like multiple years ago. Not recently. Yeah. It's not a name yeah. that we've seen. <laughs> All that recently, but that's what make it, makes him acquirable from the Celtics perspective at this point, I guess. Um, what other names have you got for us, Spoonie? So this guy would actually take us over the second apron just barely, like less than a million dollars, I think, or maybe just right on a million dollars. But he's young, 22-year-old big, six foot nine, big wing, center type on Denver, Zeke Naji, And he's kind of struggled a little bit. He's been banged up here and there. He's been in and out of the rotation. Um, He shot the ball absolutely terribly last year, 26% from three. But the two years before that, he was over 40% on small samples. So you got to think like, okay, if if this like we I I feel like we need another center that's different than Luke Cornett um, just because like, okay, we know what Cornett can do, um, but it wouldn't hurt to have sort of a prospect type center on the bench that is inevitably going to get some minutes uh, because, you know, Porzingis isn't going to play every game. Horford's not going to play every game. Rob Williams isn't going to play every game. So um, he's athletic. He's like got decent ball skills. You know what I mean? Like he's not stone hands looking mm-hmm. to get rid of the ball as soon as he possibly can every time he touches it. And he's all right defensively, not really a rim protector type, but kind of a keep his guy in front of him, contest shots, don't get absolutely destroyed while he's out there. So, I, and he's again, he's 22. He's shown some like legitimate high upside flashes to the point where, unlike Coffee, I think we'd have to probably give up some actual assets. I'd be interested in what your buddy Dice thinks of him, Ben, since he is a Nuggets fan. So, (laughs) um, Dice, if you're in the chat, let us know. But I think that like you've got such a solid eight, nine vet veteran type guys. Like Brad has really seemed to be targeting these younger free agents. Um, like Brissett, 25, Banton, 24. Um, obviously, Jordan Walsh is going to be up with the big club. He's 19. So uh, Brad seems to be doing kind of filling in, like hopefully one of these guys pops and becomes a real rotation player. And then we're really set. We're 10, 11 deep and, you know, we're ready to roll. So Najee would be that type of signing, hmm. that type yeah. of trade. Totally. Championship experience as well. Yeah, I like the idea of a, of a 6'9", anyone in the NBA. As you know, I'm a big dimensions guy and 6'9", <laughs> is like right on the money there as far as the ideal dimensions for an NBA player. Uh, incredible insight. Uh, we better pull up a, a comment from our buddy uh, Z Gamer as well, who says that Gorgie Deng just got his uh, rights renounced by the Spurs. Not a prospect, obviously, but I wouldn't mind him if Griffin retires who is another name that I I just now can't believe that I haven't put on the list of free agents that we should be looking to acquire. Blake Griffin, Gorgie Dang, like do either of those names jump off the page to you? So I 
I I'm an insane person. I <laughs> I've always liked Georgie Dang. Like I don't know. Like he could kind of shoot it a little bit. Yeah. He's like he's must just be. I haven't watched him enough to really have a true evaluation of his defense. But he must just be that bad defensively because every time he plays decent minutes, like he scores. Like you know, and he can rebound. He's huge, so he's not going to be a complete liability on the glass. So. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's got like attitude problems because I think he's 31 at this point and like he showed some flashes in Minnesota and it looked like he was really carving out a role there. Then I think he went to Atlanta and basically his career has been over since then. Um, He's just bounced around as a deep bench guy who can't find minutes anywhere, but he's got some skills, man. I don't know. I I think the problem with him, he might be trying to play himself into a, his next contract. Yeah. And Blake knows the deal. Like I'm going to go out there. I'm going to die for the ball. I'm going to take charges. Um, and we don't want our fifth center to be trying to get his, you know? So uh, I don't know. I, I would consider dang absolutely but i think my preference would probably still be blake absolutely yeah not only because of the spicy every night dunk potential in garbage time but this he's a he's the captain of the vibes he was the vibesman in the locker room all of last year uh you know they were singing his praises off a mountain all year round throughout the locker room as far as just the, the value that he contributed off the court entirely so of all these names like for me blake griffin is is still my priority to bring him back just because he, you know, we, we lost a lot of personalities in the offseason already. And Blake Griffin is fun to cheer for. Even just watching him on the bench and his reactions and how he's kind of galvanizing the team just by being there. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge part of the heart and soul of the team, given that we shipped a lot of that out uh, just a few weeks ago. So Blake Griffin, I will uh, add another name to the pot and Spoonie. I did see your tweet right before we went live. <laughs> uh, and that name is Austin Rivers, who the Celtics are reportedly. Uh, looking into, he's likely available for the minimum. He's a 6'4 combo guard. He's got experience sitting on the Celtics bench uh, <laughs> once as a player and as, I a, child. as, a, as a teenager <laughs> in yeah. 2008. 35% from three last year. And here's an interesting tidbit, Spoonie. This is per Bobby Kravitsky of SI.com. Quote, it's also worth noting that, that signing players with at least three years of NBA experience only counts slightly north of $2 million against a team's cap space. So... Even though Rivers has 11 years of NBA service time, meaning a veteran minimum contract for him would exceed $3 million, the Celtics, $3.4 million under the second apron per spot track, could bring him on board without it being as tight of a squeeze to avoid crossing that threshold. Um, in short, he's a little bit more affordable than other guys mm-hmm. with his level of experience. Yeah. So <laughs> the raw numbers actually don't look too bad. Like 35% from three, you know, five, one and a half, one and a half for how many minutes he was getting. Like that's not a disaster. And then I looked into some of the advanced stats. So the Timberwolves got eight points worse per 100 possessions when Austin Rivers played. So they were like plus two <laughs> with him off the court and like minus five and a half with him on. Um his defensive Raptor, which is 538's advanced stat, is twice as bad as Mike Muscala's. And he's like a negative five in Raptor, uh, which is like you should be in Europe playing basketball. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not even Europe. <laughs> maybe like the Brazilian league. Yeah. <laughs> um, and his his LeBron is like minus 3.6. Like we just did not have 
we, we just have not had players who have graded out that poorly in advanced stats on this team playing any significant amount of minutes, which he wouldn't. But do we think Austin Rivers is at the point in his career? Probably is where he would just accept never playing because he is not going to play like ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he's down for that, like and we like he's had some throughout his career, you know, there's always been kind of scuttlebutt about him maybe not being the greatest teammate. And speaking of wanting to get yours, like he tends to play that way as well. So I I, I don't know, man. I I'm not high on this one. <laughs> Big podcast guy, potential yeah. first of the floor collaboration midway okay. through the season. Yeah, could get All some right. of the other players on. We get more insights into their like these are the contributions you're looking for with the 15th man. <laughs> I say in jest, clearly. Yeah, I mean maybe we could yeah. get his dad. Huh? that would yeah. be Paul. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head there, Spoonie. Like, the numbers don't look good. The Cel- the Celtics were reportedly looking into him, so I thought it was worth yeah. mentioning. Um, totally. But maybe we should just move on to the next name you've got. Sure. This one is a complete... He's a free agent. Um, would definitely be a minimum guy. Complete flyer. Basically didn't play last year because of injuries. Was a first-round pick four years ago. Had some flashes when he was healthy his second season um, on the Cavs. That's Dylan Windler who um, he's, you know, got some ball skills, six foot six wing. He's still only 26 years old. He's shot it okay at times, um, also shot it terribly at times. Not a great defensive player, but again, this fits into that kind of mold, like the Brissette style Banton mold, where it's like, okay, these guys have shown some ability to play in the NBA. They still have some room to grow. They've got good size. Um, you know, he's kind of a ball mover, decision maker type uh, that can maybe knock out, knock down some open threes. Um, so, uh, again, basically minimum flyer for a guy that maybe can give you some minutes here and there. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly know nothing of this guy. Yeah, um, that's fair. <laughs> I, I feel like probably the the most potential upside of all the guys we've looked at just as far as what he's available for is a free agent available for the vet minimum as far as impacts on our tax bill and, and things like that. It's ex- extremely low risk. We don't yes. have to worry about the personality factors of giving this guy no playing time. He can just be there if and when we mm-hmm. need him. He does seem to feel like a Sam Hauser player archetype. Um, Definitely. Not, not a bad thing to have an extra one of those on your bench, but this would be a guy where it's like break glass in case of emergency. You know, We'll let you know if we need you. You might also enjoy some time up in Maine as well because you're not going to enjoy a lot of time on the parquet floor there. So um, <laughs> for what we need at this point, I kind of yeah. like this one the most. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's there's zero risk here. He would probably take a non-guaranteed deal like Champagne did. But mm-hmm. um, Manista in the chat says, what about Hamadou Diallo? I've I, I I he's like the guard version of Georgie Dang for me. Like I've always liked his game. Like that dude can get to the rim. He's kind of mm-hmm. like Jay Scrub in that way, where it's like he doesn't have a, a lot of other skills, but just being able to get to the rim. He's explosive um, in transition as well. Not the greatest defensive player, but also like not a complete sieve on that end either. Like he just can't shoot it. So I think he's like had trouble finding minutes wherever he's at because he's not good enough to be a primary ball handler. Um, so like, what are you going to run pick and roll for him so he can get down the rim and try to finish over length? Like that doesn't make a lot of sense, but he's really talented. Like I think there's a good player in there. So I think he's like Windler that I would totally 
take a flyer on on Diallo. I've I've always like really liked his game, and he kind of tore us up with the Pistons last year once yeah. or twice, as I recall. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be super into that. Again, great, great dimensions player, very athletic, can move his feet defensively. Uh, I, I don't know if he'd necessarily be accepting of of that end of the bench role at this point in his career, just based on the playing time that he's seen for various teams recently. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy at the sort of juncture in his career where he's like looking to just like play for a championship yet. Like he's still relatively young, right? Oh, like yeah. He's sort of yeah. into late 20s. So yeah. um, if we could get him and if he would be accepting of that role, I'd be stoked. Um, he'd go yeah. shoot straight to the top of my list of, uh, of preferred free agents. But I just don't know if we'd be a good landing spot from his perspective. Right. He's 24. So, yeah, he's really right. young, like compared to a lot of these guys. So I, I would be totally down with that. He might actually that's a great suggestion. He might actually be the top of my wish list here. Amongst yeah. all the other, <laughs> other, other than Najee and Kenrich Williams, but of these like real low end type of guys. He might be my number one, definitely over Windler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good call. Let's take a, a quick break to shout out our sponsor, FanDuel. I was just, as you were talking there about Hamadou Diallo, looking at NBA betting odds. I know we're meant to discuss the MLB, but they do have the NBA regular season MVP for this upcoming season odds up on FanDuel. Jokic, uh, obviously the, the top of the list there at plus 430. If you had to guess where Jason Tatum is ranked among his co-MVP peers, uh, where would you put him? Okay, I think you got to have Embiid's probably second as the reigning MVP. He's not. Okay. Steph? Nope. No, Giannis. Giannis. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Okay, then Embiid? Ooh, nope. Then Jason Tatum. Uh, so so Jokic, ah. Giannis, Doncic at plus ah. 650. We've got Embiid at plus 700. And then Tatum at the fifth spot, plus 800. Not a terrible one to get on given, I don't know, we saw some voter fatigue with Jokic. It, it might be a, a re-uprising for Giannis this year in terms of like him, you know, refining his way back to the, the top of the MVP pile there. And you would think like he's kind of out for a bit of a revengeful season given the way that their season ended last year. Yeah. But Tatum plus 800, like he's just coming into his physical prime and athletic prime now could be a good time to get on that. Obviously, gamble responsibly, but shout out to FanDuel. Yeah. And also those Jokic odds, dude, plus money on Jokic, like plus yeah. 400 on Jokic right now. Like I might have to dip my toes on, on that after this. Yeah. 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 Easily. Easily. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, all right. I think without any further ado, we can get to the Schadenfreude report. Schadenfreude. The Sixers. Schadenfreude. The Lakers. Schadenfreude. The Heat. Schadenfreude. Milwaukee Bulls. Schadenfreude. Warriors. Schadenfreude. All right. It is time for the Schadenfreude report where we take joy in the misery of other teams and their fan bases. Obviously, ruling out injuries. We do not celebrate injuries in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. but we do love... The- we celebrate this, though. We Absol- celebrate this. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's just run the clip, and then we'll discuss it further. Hey, Bray, what can we look forward to, John? Um, I just want to win a championship. Um, you know, whatever it takes. I don't know what that's going to be, whether it's in Philly or you know, anywhere else. You know, I just want to have a chance uh, to accomplish that. I want to see what it feels like to win that first one and then you can pick about, you know, the next one. Uh, you know. In Philly or, Spoonie, 
Anywhere else. Anywhere else. Anywhere else. Yeah. How does this make you feel? Do you think it's the beginning <laughs> of the end for the Sixers? What do you think comes next? Or is this nothing? The third quarter of Game 7 was the beginning of the end for the Sixers. <laughs> they gave up. Joel, Joel Embiid gave up. It's over, man. It's Joelver. <laughs> so, I don't know. That was bad. But um, yeah, like he did not have to bring up sick Philadelphia or anywhere else. Like he could have just been like, I really want to win a championship. But it's like that nugget. It's in his brain. It's in his soul of like, I need to get the hell out of here, which is like every time I visit Philly, I feel that too. So I get it. Um, he just had to like... He had to vocalize how he was feeling because he couldn't help himself. He couldn't hold back anymore. And Harden's like maybe on the way out. And for all his faults, like he won them two of those three games basically single handedly. So Mm -hmm. um, if I was a Sixers fan, like I, I might be done with this guy, too. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, he's a reigning MVP, but he choked hardcore in the playoffs again. Um, and he's obviously can't be trusted to be healthy by the time the playoffs come around. And you can get an absolute insane, insane package for him. So I, I don't know, man, like I would be I would be on some thin ice if I was a Sixers fan. I'll say that. I think I read a stat the other day that said that Joel Embiid is the only MVP ever to never get out of the second round. Mm-hmm which I think I'm recalling correctly, which is insane. And on his comments here, like these guys, especially at this level of NBA stardom, are so media trained. Like they just spend so much time in media training um, and ensuring that they're, they're pulling their words back such to never get in hot water like this. And despite all that for Joel Troll Embiid to get himself in this position using his words, I think that's somewhat telling. And add in all the history that you just mentioned, Spoonie, like they've just fallen out in the second round so many times. He's choked so many times, often at the hands of Boston. Wouldn't you want to get as far away from Boston, like just completely jump conferences at this point if you're Embiid? And then typically with uh, MVPs of of recent history, so Giannis and even Jokic to some degree and Kevin Durant, certainly Steph Curry, they attract players to them, to join them, to to fight for a championship with them. And I don't necessarily think that Embiid has that same pulling power. And certainly now when like they've got several players jumping ship or looking to jump ship in, in Harden's case, he doesn't seem like a typical MVP. And to that I ask, like if he did, shake loose from the tree and he did become available and the Celtics certainly have assets. Would you even want to trade for or entertain a trade for Embiid at this point? I, this is uh, like, (laughs) I don't think there's any way it would make sense for both teams to make that trade happen. I'm dodging the question, (laughs) but if you're asking me in a vacuum, assuming we can do it, we'll say like they'll take Porzingis back or something like that. Right. Cause it, probably doesn't make sense to have them both um yeah i would probably do it right i mean he still is the mvp and like you know like i really dislike him um but that team the jays and Embiid, would be pretty damn stacked man (laughs) like that would be 
pretty well, damn sad. I think you'd have to give up Jalen Brown in a in a potential yeah. Embiid trade. I just don't like his vibe, man. Like I know that's I know. not there's not a lot of analysis there, but you know everything that we just talked about as far as like why he hasn't seen real success outside of the individual award with the MVP. I think that's very telling. And yeah. he's just about to hit 30. He's already had a riddled injury history. Like maybe he's he's peaked. Maybe he's he's crested as far as like, you know, where he's gonna get to in the NBA, at least with the sixes. And having to give give up a significant amount of, you know, draft capital and pieces for him to acquire him. I just don't see that actually making the Celtics better. I have to add the caveat there that I truly hate the Sixers with all of my being. <laughs> and that's obviously going to color my opinion of, of anyone who plays for them, notably uh, Joel Embiid. I have really come to love the Ricky, though, the Rights to Ricky Sanchez yeah. podcast. And I, I got to really listening to them throughout the most recent Celtic Sixers series. And, you know, I like to think that I'm an empathetic person, a sympathetic person. And at times listening to them, I do feel their pain. But even then, like kind of, Fuck the Sixers, right? I just don't want anything to do with really any of their guys at all. So I, w- I would not entertain an Embiid trade, but I would entertain the idea of him moving to the West and just knocking off another one of our um, closest rivals and, and making the road to the, the championship easier for the Celtics. But it is fun to see the Sixers um, in a bit of a, a pity hole here. Yeah. Except Anthony Melton. You can come over anytime, buddy. You're yeah. welcome to join whenever you want. But yeah, that yeah, he'll knock somebody off in the first round who might be a good team, and then he'll lose in the second round out west. So yeah, sh- go for it, dude. Yeah. Go to the Clippers. Join the join the hospital yeah. over there, man. Yeah. <laughs> See y'all in nice suits on the sidelines. Now we're gonna wrap with some miscellaneous news. And and all of this is, I guess, very miscellaneous, again, given the juncture of the offseason that we're at. But there was an article from Lauren Campbell of MassLive.com that came out uh, overnight, Aussie time. And that is that Joe Mazzulla's job as coach of the Celtics was never in trouble, uh, according to this report. I think at the time, we all definitely thought that he was in trouble. He probably felt like he was in trouble as well. Um, Some of us wanted him to be in trouble from a job security standpoint. Um, But now looking back as the dust has settled, it seems like his job security was never at risk. What's your reaction to this article, Spoonie? I think as a fan base, we seem to all have sort of collectively forgiven Joe Mazzulla at this point. So just curious to get your take on this one. Um, Yeah, I don't believe it straight up. Like, I I just don't think you can bring Joe back if we get swept by the heat. Um, I mean, like, how can you possibly go from making the finals to getting swept by an undermanned heat team and, you know, with your first year coach who's taking tons of criticism? Like, I don't I don't think it would have been tenable with the fan base to bring him back like it would have been putting Joe in a bad spot to bring him back because it would have been so toxic if he stuck around, if we got swept. So I think coming back and losing in seven saved his job. It's easy to have this report come out now because you didn't have to actually make that decision. Like, Oh yeah, we would have stood stood firm and we would have kept them. But I I frankly don't believe that. Mm -hmm. And now like going further than that, like Grant Williams, Joe Mazzulla reportedly didn't always get along, at least from a basketball X's and O's perspective. Grant Williams, gone. Marcus Smart, Joe Mazzulla, same thing. Allegedly, Marcus Smart, gone. Not only is Joe Mazzulla safe, but they're like fully 
like walking in his direction and yeah. loading up on his basketball philosophy and approach to the game as well. So it better fucking work <laughs> because yeah. we, we love those guys. Um, but certainly there's a lot of faith in, in Joe Mazzola and what he can do for the team. So, um, yeah, I'm, I just I wrote about that for Celtics blog. It hasn't come out yet. It's kind of a rambling mess, uh, but uh, we'll see. I uh, It might get edited down quite a bit, but we'll see. But essentially, yeah, I wrote about how we're effectively leaving our switch everything defense that got us to the finals by the wayside we're abandoning it and we're gonna try to be kind of like denver slightly worse offensively probably a bit better defensively um and we will see yeah because you're right ben it better fucking work dude (laughs) (laughs) otherwise we're all screwed we're gonna pack it up we're gonna end the podcast (laughs) and we're gonna find something else to do with our spare time all right moving on so there is a third two-way spot that needs to be filled, Spoonie. And obviously, Jay Scrub just caught the second one. We've got J.D. Davison who locked up the first one. Is there anyone that comes to mind? Have you got a name on the tip of your tongue for who might pick up this third two-way spot for the Celtics? Okay. Why did it take the fifth game for Vincent Valerio Bodon to play? Did yeah, you who? see that dude when he came into yeah. Summer League? Electric. He lit up. He looked <laughs> awesome. Like he's a quick ball mover. He's like burying threes with a hand in his face. Like he's got a beautiful jump shot. I'm like, whoa, who is this guy? Like, and defensively, he was going to be a work in progress. He looked pretty rough on that end, but also it's Summer League. Who knows? It's, but like, Give it to that dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, damn, like that guy impressed me like crazy in like 25 minutes. Um, but if we're looking for someone a little more established in the NBA game, I would go with Jared Butler. This is this will be his third year. So I think his last year he can get a two way spot. He's a guard out of Baylor, six foot three, short wingspan. It's kind of why he fell. Some injury concerns. Um, but he uh you know, he could really, he tore it up in his first summer league, actually. Uh, and then he's just kind of bounced around. He was last on Oklahoma City. He just can't really stick anywhere. But a lot of people, a lot of people I respect really liked him a lot coming out of the draft. Um, you know, he's like kind of a combo guard, can really handle the ball. Not a great playmaker, but can shoot it, can kind of create his own shot a little bit. So uh, he's a guy I'd take a flyer on with that third two A spot because I don't I just I just think he's got talent. You know what I mean? Maybe he lacks a little bit physically, but th- there could be something there. Yeah, both good options and probably better than this one. But uh, Jason Tatum campaigned for the two way eligibility for this player, and that's Harry Giles. Yeah, why not just appease the man in Jason Tatum by bringing in, in more of his friends at this point? What's the argument against that? Uh, I I mean. I- I actually, before Harry Giles got hurt like four more times, I actually really liked him as a prospect. And look, if the argument is like, bring him in, make Jason Tatum happy, that's probably got more upside than bringing in Jared Butler, who will probably never see an NBA, uh, the NBA court for the Celtics. So I'm fine with that. But like, you know, you can use these two way spots to develop talent. You know, like Danny Ainge wasted them with Tremont Waters and Taco, who are basically like, you know, the circus act up in Maine. See the shortest guy in the NBA and the tallest guy, you know, um, but they were never the, the, the odds of those two becoming NBA players were like zero. And it seems like Brad is really targeting like I want wings. I want guys who have a clear defined role in the NBA that can be role players like Champagny. You know, he's not great, but he's a big wing that can shoot the ball. So it makes sense. Hauser, same thing. Big wing that can shoot the ball. So um, Giles just he 
it's a shame because he really was an absurd athlete and had flashed some passing skills when he was on the Kings. But dude, he's just it's it's over for him, man, unfortunately. But if it makes Tatum happy. Yeah. Can you bring in too many mates of one guy, though? Yeah. Like we've got Emile Jefferson. Nick Sang is the trainer who's like good mates with, with Jason Tatum. Uh, if you bring in Jarzy as well, Harry Giles, is it, you may be loading up too much on his good mates. You maybe want to diversify yeah. the friends that you bring in for our, our players. And poor old JB there, who's like already, most of the time when he makes headlines, it's like he doesn't get along with Jason Tatum. Also, we're not hiring any of his friends. We're hiring all of He hates Boston. Friends. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right, let's move on. So Grant Williams in an article uh, by Adam Himmelsbach of The Globe. So, quote, I had a two-week span of being unprofessional, which I look back on and I'm disappointed in myself with, uh, is the quote from Grant, Grant Williams in that article there. Do you think that's in reference to anything in particular that we saw as fans watching from home? Uh, yeah, maybe the Cleveland stuff with the I'm going to make both. Um, <laughs> I think that was pretty stupid and unprofessional. And I think I saw a report a week or so ago, like Joe came up to him and was like, you need to make this about the team, not about yourself. Um, so if I had to guess, I would say, and that's like right around when he was falling out of the rotation too. So um, I think it's probably then, I don't know. Do you have another like spot you can point to Ben? Not really, and I listened to a few you know podcasts and and read a lot of comments on on this as well, just trying to get a little bit more insight. And it seems the general consensus is, is probably throughout the course of a of, of the season. I know he mentions two weeks here of just um, being at odds with Joe Mazzulla and his approach to the game, and maybe not conducting himself in the way that he was being coached to out on the court. And not a two week stretch that I can point to, but I mean, certainly times where it seemed like the way that he was playing was not uh, in alignment with how the rest of the team was playing. Um, yeah, I, I can't isolate two weeks there, but it seemed like a trend throughout the season. And I think by the end, they just had enough. Yeah, there was one game where he came in in garbage time and he took like six straight threes. Yeah. Uh, and like that <laughs> was right around that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he was banging. I think it went like four for six or yeah. three for five or something like that in like three minutes. So I and that was right around that time too. Yeah, it was right around that jazz game too, I think, Michael Spitzer. So um yeah, it's gotta be that sort of second. Once his shooting cooled off, I think he seemed to just get frustrated and um yeah, he's gone, man. It's a shame. I liked Grant, but mm -hmm. you know, we gotta move on. We'll we'll get new, you know, Osh Oshai Brissett, step up, buddy. It's your turn now. Yep. <laughs> Next play mentality, as Brad Stevens yeah. would say. <laughs> All right, final bit of news here. So Doc Rivers and Doris Burke are joining the the ESPN Broadcasting Dream Team along with Mike Breen. First of all, like we know Doris, we're familiar with Doris. I like Doris Burke. There's a lot of she has a lot of detractors out there, which I don't fully understand. Like I, I think she's relatively partial and unbiased and I enjoy her analysis of the game and you can tell how much she loves the game. It's why I really like Mike Breen as well. Just their passion for the game really shines through in their work. Doc Rivers used to be on the call back in the day before his Orlando days. The voice has degraded somewhat. It's a little <laughs> bit more coarse than it was when yeah. he was a younger man. But again, he's another guy whose passion for the game really shines through. And I think he's really animated and, and really fun on the call. Um, really scraping the bottom of the barrel here, Spooty. But uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this change to the broadcasting squad? Yeah, I mean, Simmons always talks, Bill Simmons always talks about how amazing Doc Rivers was as like a play-by-play -play guy or uh, as a color commentary guy. And I mean, I honestly, frankly just don't remember that. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I tend to agree with his takes on who's good and who's bad. He's a JVG guy, which is, I think he's very divisive. And I, I love Jeff Van Gundy. I yep. love both the Van Gundys. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested to see it. Like, it is cool when guys come straight out of the league and then getting sitting in the booth because you do tend to get better insight because they're so up on the game. You know, like, um, you know, Shaq doesn't know anything about the modern NBA, right? Yeah. Like he's, he hasn't played in so long and he's not like looking at tape and stuff like Doc <laughs> will Doc will teach you stuff when he's calling a game. Um, if you can hear him over your bass blowing out in your TV speakers. So uh, I, think, I think it'll be interesting. RIP the sound guy who has to EQ Doc's voice <laughs> yeah. in black and auditories. Uh, who from the NBA media would you most like to have a beer with? And this could be local Celtics media. This could be national. could be anyone. I think this is probably the easiest question the van gundys are probably two and three for me but number one is barkley it's gotta be barkley dude like barkley would be so fun to have a beer with and just shoot the shit with right uh that's i hadn't thought of that that would be pretty good actually Uh, charles barkley mike mike brain's always been at the top of my list just because he seems like such a cool genuine guy like when he was doing the call the game after kobe bryant passed away and He was in tears. Like, obviously, that's not a moment to celebrate, but just this guy just brings all of himself to his job and he just seems like such a genuine guy. And I think he'd probably have a lot of cool stories from uh, his time in the NBA as well. I wanted to say Marv Albert, but like clearly not a clean cut character, but just the idea of like, hey, Marv, would you like another beer? Yes. And pretzels, <laughs> just that kind of thing. That's good, be Ben. Thank that you. was good. Uh, we might have to make you do a pod in, <laughs> in your Marv Albert voice. Yeah. <laughs> if I lose a bet, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then just Mike Gorman. Mike Gorman, yeah. I think, would be an ultimate beer hang as well. So yeah. call in if you're listening. Let us know your thoughts on uh, who you'd love to <laughs> the have. The lines a beer are with. open. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And Tommy. Tommy would have been if Tommy were still around. He'd probably be number one though, pretty, with totally. a bullet pretty easily. So, um, Mark Jackson is last. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would only have a beer with him if I could somehow spend time encouraging him to reside. That's yeah, all. Yeah. I'll take one for the team and spend a bit of time with the guy. <laughs> all right. Finally, here. So I, I'm a little concerned. Maybe concerned is is the wrong word. Wary that the the fan opinion on Jalen Brown is really divided right now, and obviously that swings so much in the direction of like his last game or last series that we've seen him play in a Celtics uniform. But he did make the second All NBA team just this past season. Spoonie and is rightfully eligible for a supermax extension. Assuming that Jalen Brown is seeing some of this this dialogue online, what would you say to Jalen Brown right now if you could, if you had an open line to, to JB? Like, Jalen, baby, it's your boy Spoonie. <laughs> click, uh, hands up. <laughs> yeah, click, yeah. Uh, no, I'd probably say, like, part of the problem is that we did not meet expectations this past year, right? Like, Boston is not a town where that can fly at all. So if you go out there and you win a ring, all this will go away for the rest of your career, or at least for a year or two. So go out there, win a championship, play your game, do what you did last year, but keep it going in the playoffs and all the noise will disappear and you will become one of the most loved people in Boston history. I guarantee, no, in Boston sports history, I guarantee (laughs) that if you bring a championship home. So... Um, yeah, that's probably what I, where I'd go. Just like win, man. That yeah. will solve everything. 
I can't stop that. I, I would just reiterate the the general love for him among Celtics fans and that haters are always louder than yes lovers, for lack of a better word. <laughs> and like, if I go to a restaurant and it's good, I won't leave a review because my yeah. expectation is that it's good. I'll only leave bad reviews for restaurants that like significantly fell short of my expectations. And I want to let the people know, like, avoid this place. So... <sighs> The people who are detracting for Jalen Brown are going to be much louder than than those who are just used to mm-hmm. loving him and haven't changed their stance on him as well. So I would argue that there's a bigger cohort of people who are pro Jalen Brown than those who are vocally uh, against him. So we love you, Jalen. We're looking forward to you coming back um, next season. Let's wrap it up there. I think that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to everyone who joined us in the live stream here. It's always a lot of fun seeing your comments pop up and reacting to them during the stream don't forget to join us here live on thursday night 8 p.m for our interview with john corrales spoonie love your work mate until next time go celtics